Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Personal is nothing personal. Word of the day for November 25th, 2022. It's Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. We're sluggish. We are full, but the show must go on. Special thank you to Matt Coca, willing to work all of Thanksgiving week because why not give you a show? You want it, you clamor for it. And if you've got a story like we've got today to lead off. You have to do a show. The whole raison d'etre for nothing personal is that it's just business. It's nothing personal, which means that when you're operating a company or a sports team, that you do things in the best interests of your team or of your business. And sometimes people are going to get hurt. Sometimes decisions are going to be made that bother either customers or workers. That's the way it goes. Doesn't make us harsh. It doesn't make us robotic. Other things we do do, but that doesn't. Jim Ursay, we covered this, but here's a little wrinkle. Jim Ursay is the owner of the Indianapolis Colts. Jim Ursay coming off a coup d'etat over Danny Boy, leading the way along with Roger Goodell helping him encouraging him to come out and say, hey, we don't care about all your skeletons. We're making you sell. And of course, the commanders are for sale. But Jim Irsay has spent a his time as owner of the Colts. It's been up and down. There's been some on-field success. There's been a lot of personal issues with Jim Irsay. A lot of negative attention brought to the Colts through him. So there's been moments of less than stellar, perfect representation of the Indianapolis community. All of that said, the firing of Frank Reich and the hiring of Jeff Saturday has become this story that doesn't go away. He's an owner who hired an ESPN analyst who had never coached in high school or college, who, or the pros, who was a 13-year player for the Indianapolis Colts, 
brings him in to be the interim coach, gets criticized by all the organizations studying diversity, gets criticized by all the organization of former coaches who can't get jobs anymore, gets criticized by the organization of former coaches who are on TV who don't want jobs, but are criticizing for the likes and, and representing the likes of people and the desires of people who are currently assistant coaches, who are not promoted to head coaches. Everybody's all over him for this hiring. So they come out, game one, they beat the Raiders. Game two, they lose by a hair to the Philadelphia Eagles, who Jim Irsay tells us is going to be in the, they will be in the NFC Championship game. So that sort of loss is excusable. But then yesterday, he talked more. And he wanted to convince us that he's a fan of the show and he did a great job because he said, you know, the firing of Frank Reich, that was not personal. I was waiting for him to say it's just business. But instead he said something even more bizarre. And what he was trying to say is, Frank Reich is a friend of mine. We're very close. Our families love each other. Frank Reich still loves me. And you know how I know that? Because Edgar and James let me put him into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Edgar and James was a Hall of Fame back who really was known for his time with the Colts. And Jim Mersey had to, at the end of his career, jettison him from the team. And Edgar and James understood that and still loved him and wanted him to be presented into the Hall of Fame by Jim Irsay, his owner, his longtime owner. So Jim Irsay was telling all of us, hey, listen, I may fire or release people who you love and I love, but they understand that it's just business. And once you understand that it's just business, then you, you're, you can't be upset about it. I'm in. I totally agree with what he's saying, but I'm just not exactly sure I understand why he's saying it. When you are confronted with a story like the hiring of Jeff Saturday, you have to be advised that you're done. Do it, hire him, but then don't talk anymore. Let the play on the field speak for itself. And if you're unhappy with the play in the field, make a change. Either way, you have to do a full interview process once you remove an interim tag. And if you want Jeff Saturday as your permanent coach, you're still gonna have to do a full interview process. You're gonna have to pretend that you're interviewing minorities and you're just gonna retain your interim coach. It happens in baseball with interim managers. They become full-time managers. It's not uncommon, but there's no reason to discuss it. And he, Double down, Jim Mersey did, trying to be so defensive. And he was saying, you want proof of how much I love Frank Reich? I gave him a contract extension through 2026 when he had two years left in an existing deal. And I did it because of, quote, and I'm quoting, the closeness with him and our family. OMG, a owner or a president giving an extension to a player or a coach because of the closeness, that doesn't work out very well very often. Why would he acknowledge that he mixes personal with business, then say, 
that he gave an extension to a head coach only because of personal, and now he fired him, and it wasn't personal. I don't think you can have it both ways. I think that he called up Frank, and Frank is very close with him and his family. Very close, according to Jim. I, like, I guess they spent Thanksgiving together. I will bet you a dollar that Frank Reich and his family did not spend Thanksgiving with Jim Ursay and his family. I'm just throwing it out there as a possibility that Frank may be thankful for the contract extension through 2026 because now he's getting paid not to work. But I'm going to say that he wasn't so thankful that he, he was willing to have some stuffing. So he felt the need to tell us how not personal it was. And then he kept going to talk about how great the team is now. How great that it is that the trajectories changed of our team. The players are working harder. Everyone's excited. We came close to beating the Eagles. We beat the Raiders. Hey, look at us. That is incredibly personal against your coach who you fired because what you're really saying is while that coach was here, while we had fun with the family and we hung out a lot and went to arcades, there was a problem with the team. And the blame was on the coach. I just find it all silly. What would happen if the Raiders had beat the Colts? Which they could have, right? They came close, right, Coca? The Eagles did beat them, but you get to say it was close when they lose because they were a good team. What if you lose by a point to a bad team? Like they're playing Pittsburgh this week. Can you imagine if they lose to Pittsburgh? He'll have to come up with something else to say, yeah, but our players were so motivated. They looked so ready. The moral of the story is that when something is not personal, don't make it personal. Nothing good will come of it. When you want to make a change as an owner, make the change, own the change, be the change, and then you don't have to talk about the change. When you are honest from the beginning, with who your friend is. Like we were friends. We just talked about Jack McKeon yesterday. People don't talk about the fact that the way it ended with Jack McKeon after 2005 was with utter frustration. He wanted to keep going. We didn't want him to keep going because we felt as though the 05 was such a disastrous season and we didn't want him to be subject to the complete change in payroll because we were trading away the team and starting over with the likes of Hanley Ramirez, et cetera, and that group of players. But the way we dealt with Jack McKeon, who had won a World Series with us, was with hugs and honesty and with very, very careful conversations in the media about what we said about Joe Girardi, who we brought in to replace Jack for 2006. But as you understand, the relationship stayed the entire time. He came back as interim manager one of the years, maybe 2011, 
He was an assistant to the owner until the owner sold the team 14 years after the World Series. Jack was associated with the organization. And that was a personal and business promise made by an owner to someone who he loved who got a World Series for him and his community. Frank Reich didn't win a Super Bowl with the Colts. What was the reason to even get into any of this? Only Jim Irsay knows, but I wonder whether he feels just a tiny tinge of guilt. Could be. Part of the thing about owning a team is like with any company, knowing when to hold them and knowing when to fold them. When do we invest more money into the product? When do we pull it back and rebuild and retool? When do we choose when we're gonna sell the team, who we're gonna sell it to, how we're gonna sell it? A lot more families these days, so many teams are on the market across all sports right now because as owners get older, they start saying the juice is not worth the squeeze. What are we doing here? That's not the case right now in Manchester United. Manchester United is owned by a family. And when families own assets, you have a big problem when you've got family members who disagree about whether or not the family should own the asset. The reason the Washington Nationals are for sale in baseball is that the father, Ted Lerner, gave control to one of the sons. One of the sons, Mark Lerner, works with a bunch of other children and in-laws. And then outside of that, there are children and in-laws who are not involved in the operation of the team, but still own the team with the brothers and in-laws who run the team. And there is a disagreement over, hey, let's sell this asset. No, no, I love going to owner's meetings. I love going to games. I love walking around saying I run the Nationals, as an example. And so you get conflict. The New York Mets, another example, when they sold the Steve Cohn, the father, Fred Wilpon, was probably ready. The son, Jeff Wilpon, would he have stayed? Maybe. He's certainly quite happy now, I can assure you. The Glazers are in a similar situation where there is some discussion about why they are going to either sell the entire team or not. And to do it, you try to get unanimity amongst the siblings, amongst the heirs to the original owner, which was the old Glazer who passed away, I don't know, five or 10 years ago. But the numbers have become so high that it becomes more difficult for the operators of the team to convince the non-operating partners of the team, their siblings, hey, let's hold off, let's keep doing this, maybe we'll get even more. Because they say two billion, four billion, six billion, that we're good. We're set for life our, our, for generations to come, like a million generations to come. Let's do it now before something bad happens. And believe me, something bad can happen. Whether it's COVID, whether it's some sort of implosion by a league, will Major League Baseball implode? Will the NBA, the NFL, EPL? It certainly seems not in our lifetime, but hey, crazier things have happened. 
So what the Glazers are doing in Manchester United is they're floating a price out there. Rumor came out yesterday that they're looking for $7 billion for their team. Do you think they would put a price tag like that out there because they don't want to sell the team? The answer to that is no. You put a price tag out there as aspirational. This is what you are thinking that you're going to get and what you want, but you're willing to settle for less. But if you can get multiple bidders, especially from Saudi Arabia, Qatar, or places like that, then it could approach $7 billion. Do I think that they will get $7 billion? No chance toilet pants. As a matter of fact, Coca, you can book this right now as an official wait to see. Wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. If it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, fine. Wait to see. Manchester United will sell in full. The Glazers are selling it, no doubt. And it will be under $7 billion. Book it. Put it in the document. Well, the World Cup is still going on. Were you watching the 5 a.m. game today? I like to know when I watch games that have impact to a team I like, I want it spelled out. I want to know who to root for, why to root for them, and what happens if what I'm rooting for doesn't happen. And it took me a lot of searching this morning at 6.30 in the morning or 7 o'clock, whenever it was, when the Wales-Iran game ended and Iran won in two goals in stoppage time. What, was that good? Was that bad? Here's the bottom line. The USA plays England today at 2 p.m. This is Friday the 25th. If England beats the U.S., but on Tuesday the U.S. beats Iran, the U.S. advances. If England beats the U.S. and Iran beats the U.S., there are no scenarios that I can think of where the U.S. would advance other than Wales beating England and then you go to goal differential. So the bottom line is, if the U.S. beats England, we don't have to worry about any of this. So that's what we're rooting for, of course. In yesterday's games, it's noteworthy. A couple of things about Qatar are very noteworthy to me. The first one is that I am very satisfied with the stadium camera angles. And that may seem like a bizarre thing to focus on, but when you're building a stadium, you are really paying attention to where the cameras are and what the different angles are going to be. And you get specs from your league. So in a Major League Baseball stadium, you are told where the cameras are supposed to be and what angles the cameras shoot from. And the MLB puts up instant replay cameras in different places that are not used by the feed. Some of them are used by the local regional network feed, but it's all part of the planning. But it requires early planning because when you're putting cameras in certain places, they're being wired, et cetera. And if you're not organized, you're gonna screw it up. And God knows Qatar was not organized in the building of the stadiums, but it seems they got that right. When you are building out the concession areas or the camera areas or the interior clubhouse areas, the locker room areas, you are getting advice from people who have gone through this before, who know where things should be. Like Fox, they won the national bidding. They're the media partner for the World Cup. Fox was intimately aware with where the camera angles were gonna be in all these Qatari stadiums. 
I'm struck by that is a positive. Negative, I don't like how empty the lower bowl is. I don't know if they price those seats out of even even rich people in Qatar can't get them. Can you imagine how high those prices would have to be? Or FIFA sets the pricing and Qatar kept a bunch of house seats for all of their people of power, maybe people in the Supreme Committee, and those people don't show up for games. But we always wanted fillers. Like when you're watching the Oscars and you see all the seats filled, those aren't all celebrities. They're a bunch of seat fillers for when a celebrity goes to the bathroom. They don't want there to be an empty seat, so their job is to sit these fillers, sit in all empty seats. And right as they're counting down for commercial, we're back live in five, four, three, two, sit. It's pretty good. I think there should be fillers in the bottom bottom seats makes it look better we would always know where our camera angles were because we'd watch and we would specifically price seats behind camera angles at a lower price to make sure they would sell so there would be a section let's say a pro player of marlins park where there would be a lot of people seated where the camera can see the first base angle and the third base angle but then in the next section it would be empty you can always tell about your pricing in a ballpark or in a stadium according to where clumps of people are. That's what we would do from the from the box, from the suite. We'd look out and see the clumps of people and say, ah, we may need to adjust our pricing just a tad. What else happened yesterday of note? Ooh, it was great. Ronaldo, did you watch Portugal? Ronaldo scored, becoming the first player to score in five different World Cups. That may not sound like a big deal because that's 20 years, because you play every four years, so you can play five cups in 20 years. But to be good at 18 and 38 or 17 and 37, how old is Ronaldo, Coca? Let's say he's 38. So to score at 18 and 38, it's pretty damn cool. So congratulations to him and Portugal. What about the rules that are in place with this type of World Cup. There's so much going on, so many human rights abuses, so many things that we should all be embarrassed about, but of course we're still watching. Iran is an absolute disaster in terms of the way they treat people, whether it's LGBTQ, whether it's women, just it's shocking. And yet we're watching and even the Iranian players in their, before their first game, they were not willing to sing their own anthem. They did it yesterday's, or today's game, they were back at it. So the question is, when you are running an event, how do you handle all of the negativity that is off field? Do you conspire to ignore it? Or do you allow for people to discuss it? Qatar made it very clear that they were not gonna allow people in their stadium who had any sort of rainbow shirts, rainbow bands. We had a, a uh, a fellow member of the media, Grant Wall, tried to get into a World Cup game wearing a rainbow shirt. They stopped him. They didn't let him in. He couldn't even do his job because they didn't like his choice of clothing, which of course is absolutely unacceptable. We retained the right to allow who we wanted inside the stadium. We retained the right to control who got media credentials. We retained the right to decide which signs would be we'd allow whether it was too personal or upsetting toward the owner or toward a subject we didn't want. 
people dropping Trump flags in the middle of a game, right? We would take it down. People dropping Biden flags or Clinton flags, we would take it down. We wanted to stay apolitical. Why would an owner of a team and a person operating a team want to stay apolitical? Because why would you want to offend 50% of your audience? It makes no sense to do it. Why cut off the ticket buying public at 50%? You want everyone to be eligible. Before games, we would meet with our security people to go through what we wanted them to do, what we wanted them to enforce, what we wanted them to look out for. We would meet with our broadcast partner to talk about things that we want discussed on the air or don't want discussed on the air. If there were situations surrounding an organization like an arrest, like a firing or a hiring or a losing streak, we would meet with the broadcasters and talk about it from our standpoint, trying to get them to understand why we were making the decisions we were making with in-season trades, etc. You are communicating with your broadcaster. You're communicating with your security people. When you run something and the Supreme Committee of Qatar is supposed to be running something, you've got to be communicating. I wonder if they said to Fox, listen, we want to make sure you continue the illusion of our sports wash. Let's not talk about what's going on in Qatar. Don't talk about what's going on in any other of the host countries or of the uh, participating countries. Let's not mention Iran. I don't think we need to talk about whether the anthem people were booing or not. Let's focus on the game. Guilty as charged I am we would say to our broadcasters the exact same thing. Don't draw attention to this. I did a bit with Lebetard where we were wondering whether Al Michaels would mention the Danny Snyder accusations when Danny Boy said, I've got scoop on all of you. I've got juice. You've got skeletons and I've got the door to open it. Your closet's going to be bare. And I didn't think Al Michaels would deal with it because I assumed the NFL would have sat with him and said, here's what we want you to say and here's what we don't I was surprised that day that Al mentioned it though he mentioned it in a very responsible journalistic way saying you know with all the stuff surrounding Danny why doesn't he just sell that's an okay way to deal with it but when you're dealing with politics and human rights what exactly do you want your Fox commentators to say how do you want them to frame it? Do you want to trust them to put it in the right phrasing and then say, goal, like a Nick Castellanos home run? If you know, you know. It's a no-win situation. And when you have a no-win situation, the best way to do it is not to play. All right, when we come back, we're going to review a movie that I needed to love. I needed to love it. I wanted to love it, and I didn't love it, and I'm sort of upset about it. And then we're going to talk about Aaron Judge and his trip to the Bay Area. We'll be right back. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. 
Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. It's Friday. It's the end of Thanksgiving week. Yes, it is Black Friday. Are you shopping? Let's do a poll, Coca. I was thinking about this. Do you buy things on Black Friday that you do not need simply because it is Black Friday? Or do you wait for the last three months for stuff that you know you're gonna need and you buy it on Black Friday because of the sales? Which one are you? What companies are counting on is that you are the former, that you are buying stuff simply because it's Black Friday that you wouldn't otherwise buy. That's how you get incremental sales. So I've been watching movies Thanksgiving week, OVS. I was so excited when Disenchanted was announced with Patrick Dempsey McDreamy and Amy Adams, Idina Menzel, James Martin, who's now in the last season of Dead to Me as well. You know James Martin. Enchanted for me is a movie where I still have a true love's kiss, the happy working love song, so close they are on my playlist for working out for driving for relaxing absolutely love it the movie itself is a feel-good movie where you can't believe that there is this princess from anastasia who all of a sudden is in the real world susan sarandon was in the original with timothy spall is in the real world falls in love with mcdreamy and mcdreamy falls in love with an animated character who ends up being real and then stays real you have to suspend disbelief and you do and you love it and you smile and you feel good well hollywood bless hollywood they're looking for original ideas if you have an original screenplay get on it because what they're doing is they're trying to cash in on what was and hoping it can be again the sequel to enchanted came out a decade later 15 years later whatever it is and it's called disenchanted and the story is that 10 or 15 years later here we see amy adams and mcdreamy still married they've got their own child they've got the stepchild which is patrick's child from his first marriage and guess what she's disenchanted amy adams is with her new life on earth because she longs for it to be easy she longs for the days of the fantasy of anastasia where of course in that situation everything's easy i can't name one song i can't remember one lyric the whole point of movies like Enchanted are you come out of that movie humming and singing and smiling and feeling good. And I felt none of that. I felt nothing. Disenchanted. I mean, it's on Disney Plus. It's free. 
So if you have some sort of feeling for Enchanted, watch it. But just manage your expectations. It's not on the podium. It's not Fletch Lives. It's not Godfather 3. It's just bad. All right, Aaron Judge goes to the West Coast for Thanksgiving to celebrate with his family, meets with the Giants, takes some video. Everyone gets crazed. And all of a sudden, you hear leaks everywhere. The following two leaks have occurred since Aaron Judge went to the West Coast on his free agent tour. Number one, the San Francisco Giants, quote, are elated with the meeting with Aaron Judge. What the hell does that mean? I've met with so many free agents in my time. And elated? I walk out of there like checking my pockets and needing some Vaseline. Elated. Oh my God, it was so great. Steph Curry said, come on, Aaron. Come own this town with me. Everything that we said they would do, they did with videos and gift bags and all that crap. Show me the money. I'm elated. What do you think players say after they meet with a team? They don't say, hey, GFY. They say, eh, thank you. This was great. I really enjoyed getting to know you. Thanks for making the effort. Appreciate the catered meal in the car from the airport. Love the little touch of the Jumbotron. And boy, is my nephew going to love this little Giants jersey. And then after the player leaves, you meet with your front office, you meet with your GM and whoever was in the meeting, you're like, you sit around convincing each other how great it was. Man, I think, did you see his face when we told him that we're willing to go to 300 million over seven years? I mean, I, I think, I think I, I, and remember when we took him to that neighborhood and showed him that house that's for sale? I think he liked that house. It's sort of like the Jeter house in Tampa. It's private and gated. People can see it from the lake. Hey, there's no lake in Frisco. Yeah, but he was elated at the possibility. Does he live in Tampa? Yeah, it doesn't matter. He's from here. What does it matter? No, it's good. I could see it in his face. Did you see the agent? I think the agent's pushing for it. Should we call the agent? It's like what you do after your first date. When do we call? What do we say when we do call? Or do we just text? And how long do we wait? We don't want to look too eager, but we don't want to look as though we have no interest. What's the follow-up with Aaron? I think we should text him when he lands, and we should say, hope he had a good trip. But that's it. Oh, no, let's also say, it was great to spend time with you. Look forward to the next step. And which Aaron Judge would say, well, the next step is that I'm going to come to you with the other offers I have that are more than you made for me, and then I'm going to say, do you have another offer? That's the next step. Made me laugh. Elated. We're elated. This has been great. We're going to be friends. Aaron Judge is going to be in our family. So if we ever have to release him, we're going to say, yeah, but he's still a part of our family. And when he goes into the Hall of Fame, he's still going to have me introduce him. Although commissioners introduce players, not owners. <laughs> he can give the speech, though. Maybe that's what the owner of the Giants will do when Aaron Judge makes the Hall of Fame. If he's a Giant, he'll give the speech in Cooperstown because of their great personal relationship. Because that's what Aaron Judge is looking for. More friends with people who are 30 years older than he. That's it. My bad. You've got this, San Francisco. He's this close. This close. Do you think it's a coincidence 
that on the day he met the Giants, rumors come out that the Dodgers made him an offer. I don't. What's the one thing you want if you're the Giants? If you can't get Aaron Judge. It's pretty simple, right? You want him not to be on the Dodgers. Or the Padres. Or the Rockies. You with me? You do not want him in your division. So wouldn't it be great to get out there that the Dodgers made an offer that was just not going to be accepted under any scenario? Maybe you can inflame the Dodgers fans. Our first choice with free agents who we weren't going to get was to get them out of the division. Our second choice was to have them in the division but overpaid. Because our view was that if there's enough overpaid players who are not performing, then they are unable, no matter their payroll, they're unable to cover that up. And that means their competitive abilities are going to suffer, which gives us a better chance to win the division or make the playoffs. So those are the two things the San Francisco Giants want. They either want the Dodgers not to get them or for the Dodgers to overpay. What they don't want is for Aaron Judge to agree to a three-year, $225 million deal with the Dodgers because while that is true, $75 million is an overpay for Aaron Judge. Three years is not an overpay, and he will be able to perform for those three years. You want an overpay where there's no production, just to make sure you're clear what we root for for a player who we're not going to get. When you've got a team that can handle a $75 million player and still build a team around them, that's not particularly known as an overpay. An overpay is when you're paying a player like Pujols $30 million who's going to be bad and then get released. I'm talking about with the Angels. That's what you want. So we're going to see what happens with Aaron Judge. I wonder where he's going to visit next. I think we're going to get leaks here that he's going to go visit one more team. You got to visit one more. It can't just be the Giants competing with the Yankees, and it can't be speculation. We got to get it out there. The old Coca, you nailed it, Matt, the old mystery team. If you're an agent with a player like Judge or really any level of free agent, you have to have the mystery team. Do you like that when the media, like all the MLB insiders or NFL insiders? So involved with this player is Team X, Team Y, Team Z, and a team that's a mystery team. It's not a mystery. That's what agents tell you because they want the teams who are actually bidding to believe there's this another team who's going to swoop in like some sort of falcon and steal the player right from under you. So then the agent gets to call the team and say, hey, you better agree to our number right now because we've got this team. They are so aggressive. They're about to sign Aaron Judge. Well, who is it? I can't tell you who it is. Is it somebody? It's always nobody. Mystery teams do not exist. How exactly would that work? They don't tell the player they're interested or it doesn't leak to the media. Believe me, it always leaks to the media. Did anyone else go 0 for 3 on Thanksgiving? If you did, I'm sorry. We got backdoor screwed by the Giants. Therefore, the Cowboys couldn't cover. The Bills looked like caca against the Lions, but won the game. How many times can you pick a winner 
I guess when the spreads are nine and a half and ten. And then game three last night was just a disaster. The Patriots were looking great. It was a shootout, and the Vikings came back to win. 0-3. Oh, Despondent. Too much food, and I haven't yet gotten rid of it, so I think I need to do like a triple workout. Is that what people do when they eat too much? Do we think that it actually works that when you overeat and you wear elastic pants and you feel sort of large and uncomfortable to the point that you're just not able to sleep that great? And then you say, don't worry, I'm going to work extra hard in the workout. I'm going to take extra care. We're playing for the loss, folks, every one of us post-Thanksgiving. All right, we got three games for you this weekend because it's Friday. I'm sorry, but England's going to beat the U.S. today at 2 o'clock. That's my World Cup pick, England over the U.S. I'm rooting for the U.S., make no mistake, but I'm trying to get a win here. And this way, I really can't lose. I don't like betting with my heart because then if my favorite team loses, then I'm doubly despondent. This way, if England meets the U.S., I win the pick. And if England loses to the U.S., I'm good. And by the way, Coca, is a draw today just as good for the U.S. as a win? If they draw with England, I need a piece of paper that can outline to me all of these scenarios for getting out of the group. Where is that? Someone's got it. Coke is saying they actually need to beat. Oh, it's all about beating Iran, which means they can. So beating England. Wait, if they beat England, do they still have to beat Iran? Whatever. I don't have time for this. I got to go to Saturday's game. There's a huge college football game between Michigan and Ohio State. I have been all over Michigan and Harbaugh for years on how dysfunctional and horrible it is. But getting seven and a half against Ohio State, too many. We're taking the dog. Michigan plus seven and a half versus Ohio State. That's the Saturday pick. Sunday pick, we back to the NFL. I'm going two weeks in a row for something. Two weeks in a row for the Raiders. They were plus against the Broncos and won the game outright. Now they're plus against the Seahawks, who admittedly have been the surprise team of the NFL after 10 weeks. But I'm still taking the Raiders plus three and a half. If the Seahawks win, it'll be on a walk-off field goal. So Raiders plus three and a half for Seahawks. Those are the three picks. There's no way I'm going 0 for the weekend. No way. England over U.S., Michigan plus versus Ohio State, Raiders plus versus Seahawks. Did you see what happened yesterday? Speaking of Michigan, it happened a couple weeks ago, but there was news on it yesterday. Remember that fight in the tunnel? If you haven't seen video on it, go watch it. The Michigan State players beating up the Michigan players, like assaulting them criminally. And then there were back and forth statements. We covered it on a show a couple weeks ago. There is an update to that story that is well worth mentioning. Michigan State players have now been charged with a crime. Indictments have been handed down. When you wear a uniform, and I don't mean a police uniform, although it's true for police as well, no matter what uniform you wear, it doesn't mean you are allowed to behave against the uniform codes of conduct as codified in our criminal justice system where the consequences result in potential jail time, loss of freedom, because you've done something to someone under the tent of competition 
but it is so far beyond what is accepted with competition that it becomes a crime. Off the playing field, if you saw someone tackling someone the way they do in a football game, that would be battery, if not assault. If you saw someone on hockey skates and you were at your local skating rink and you walked up to somebody, skated up to them, and checked them into the wall of the rink, not good. Of course, there are things that you can't do on the field that are so beyond what's normal. You can't go full Kermit Washington and crush and blindside Rudy Tomjanovich. You can't go with your stick and use it as a salt weapon or a bat and use it to swing at someone during a fight because what you're supposed to do is put your equipment down and fight like men just with your fists. The locker room is long considered by players to be an extension of the field. Players view that things that go on in the locker room, it will not be a crime. Pushing, shoving, fighting, punching, spitting, yelling. No problem, we're in a clubhouse. No problem, we're on the field. No problem, we're in the dugout. Turns out it's not that true. And we told our players, listen, if you think that you can do something that is against the law simply because you're wearing a professional uniform, you're wrong. So the Michigan State players felt like in the tunnel it was okay to beat the crap out of a Michigan player. And you know what? Now they are fighting, in some cases, felony and in some cases, misdemeanor charges. What about what they did is okay? What about... What were they thinking? But here's the problem with our justice system. What will be the consequences to these Michigan State players, the true consequences in their mind? It's the suspension from the team. That's what they love and that's what they crave. They wanna play. These criminal charges, they're gonna get pled out. There's no jail time coming, it'll be probation. At most, none of these Michigan State players are going to prison for what they did, but they lost the right to play football for Michigan State. And can you imagine a world wherein your criminal justice system is not as big a deterrent to someone as the ability to play a game? I think we may need some stricter punishment, don't you? Wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen and then we follow up. We have a wait to see on Bryce Harper that he was not going to play until June. I am taking the victory today on that wait to see. I don't have the date. It was sometime last week. We told you that Bryce Harper was going in for surgery and that Dave Dombrowski misled us when he said, oh, we don't know what we're going to find. They've got to wait to get in there and then we'll take it from there. Do you think that we get a call as a front office? While the surgery is happening, hey, it looks like we got a tear. Should we do Tommy John? No, it's all planned beforehand because we know beforehand. It's not even a fair way to see that I gave you that Bryce Harper would have Tommy John and that he wasn't going to play until later in the season. It was wrong of me. I'm sorry. I violated our oath between audience and host. Because when I tell you something that is so guaranteed, I shouldn't get credit for it. You think that they went into the L and they're like, oh, 
It's torn. I guess we have to do Tommy John. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Hey, we're just calling you after the surgery. Hey, owner John Middleton and President Operations Dave Dombrowski. Sorry, but we did Tommy John. You may want to get the press release ready. Total, total horse hockey. They all knew he was getting Tommy John. We all knew it. So Philadelphia said, what do we do? We're the defending National League pennant winners or the reigning National League pennant winners, not defending, they're reigning. We are going to announce that he's done till around the All-Star break. Let's just stop all the speculation, end it right here. And so they did. You're going to miss Bryce Harper. You're going to forget about it. Philadelphia is going to come and they're going to open the season and they're going to be like a month in and you're going to be like, hey, where's Bryce? Yeah, it's from today. Tommy John, he'll be back. All right, go watch World Cup. Make sure you watch England USA at two o'clock and just hold your nose about what goes on in Qatar. Just ignore it for the moment. We'll get back to it after the World Cup or maybe after the USA loses. Have a safe, good weekend. Thanks for being with us. We'll be back Monday. Until then, it's just business. This is nothing personal.